This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Fraser Nelson and Isabel Hardman. Over the weekend, the Prime Minister gave an interview to the BBC where he discussed uh, the government's approach to trying to bring down inflation and suggested uh, it was time to hold their nerve over rising interest rates. Fraser, since then, this phrase has been uh, thrown back at the Prime Minister quite regularly, with lots of people saying you shouldn't be telling mortgage holders uh, to hold their nerve, saying it, it, it doesn't tally with, or it jars at least with the experience lots of people are facing. What did you make of the comment? Well, what number 10 says he intended to say was that he wants to hold his nerve, but the government wants to stick to its plan. Uh, This is quite important here because it might not be picked up by your average puncher, but number 10 is going through a phase right now where it realises things are going very wrong on the economic front. Sunak, as I understand, personally believes now he's going to miss his inflation target of having it throughout the course of the year. Uh, That hasn't uh, become apparent yet, but when it does, people are going to say to him, well, why don't you change your plan? He then intends to make a virtue out of saying, no, I'm going to stick with my plan through thick and thin, I'm not going to waver, Valadi's not returning, etc. So he's preparing to use this language. Uh, This is not no time to go wobbly. Yes, it looks like my policies aren't working, but I'm going to stick to them, etc. And to um, portray himself as an iron laddie. But that came out during the interview as something else. It came across as him telling mortgage holders not to complain, to hold their nerve, even if you re- you've got a 2% mortgage, it's renewing at 6%, your interest repayments are trebling, hold your nerve. Now that sounds kind of Marie Antoinette-ish. And so his detractors are slightly misquoting him to that effect. So that's what, um, that, that's what he's trying to say right now, as he realises these interest rates are going to keep on going for a long time yet. Right now, on the Spectator Data Hub, we've got the market expectations, and they show them interest rates going pretty much up to 6% this time next year, a whole more year's worth of interest rate rises. And that will mean a lot more agony to come. So Sunak is preparing himself verbally, although he misfired a little bit this weekend. Isabel... That interview came on the same weekend. There was one poll suggesting that the Labour lead has increased to 18 points. Um, How do you think Rishi Sunak came across? Because at at points, it was quite tetchy exchanges with Laura Koonsberg. Yeah, he does have a tendency towards seeming impatient when he feels that people aren't getting what he sees as being a very basic point. We saw that during the leadership contest with Liz Truss, although I think that impatience was probably slightly more merited in that instance. But he, we've seen it a few times in press conferences since where he's felt he's not being asked the, the questions that uh, are relevant to, to what he's been doing. At, you know, for instance, sort of, um, you know, discussions about NATO, he's being asked about um, domestic problems in the Conservative Party. I think one of the things that benefits him and this is very much a short-term benefit because it had a long-term very bad cause is that a lot of conservative MPs really have mentally checked out and when you ask them how they think things are going they just say oh I'm not paying any attention I've just had enough Um, and that includes those who are actually standing again for the next election not just those who are kind of demob happy because they're thinking about their life outside of parliament and that means there is less 
energy in the Tory party. And from a short term disciplinary perspective, that is a good thing because you've got people who just can't be bothered to organise into rebellions and to, you know, have caucuses and febrile meetings and, you know, WhatsApp plotting and so on. Obviously, the long term reason for that is that they think they're going to lose the next election. Um, they think they're screwed anyway, basically. Um, and so that's not really something that a prime minister who does want to win an historic and unlikely fifth term um, should necessarily take a great deal of comfort from. Talking to MPs after Jeremy Hunt announced the outcome of the talks that he had with the banks um, on Friday, I mean, the ones who were most energised were the ones who disliked Rishi Sunak anyway and who had made demands that they knew that Sunak and Hunt were not going to meet because they involved um, mortgage interest relief at source, which you know, it's something that they've been very clear is inflationary um, and would prolong the pain. Um, so if you've got MPs who are asking for that still, they know it's something that's not going to happen. But others were a little bit more uh, encouraged that there were steps that even the, the Treasury didn't think they'd get the banks to agree to. So um, borrowers being able to approach their lender and uh, discussions about a temporary change to their mortgage terms not affecting their credit rating, for instance. That was something that I was being steered away from um, in the sort of uh, late to middle of last week. So, I mean, they, they, they did get more from the banks than they'd certainly briefed beforehand. But I think, I mean, just to come back to my original point, I think so many Conservative MPs are just sort of lacking motivation for, for anything at the moment. That, that Sunak doesn't have the prospect of a, of a major revolt on his hands. And Fraser, in news that can make the government more unpopular, um, at least in the short term, uh, the Prime Minister has hinted that he could ignore recommendations for public sector pay rises. Um, and this, I think, uh, goes back to reports last week. Then on Sunday, uh, you had the Prime Minister suggesting that ultimately allowing inflationary pay rises if they're deemed that would be you know giving one hand taking away with the other and ministers have since you know not sought to suggest that that is the wrong reading do you think it is inflationary for public sector workers to say have a six percent pay rise when these independent pay review bodies come back I think this is going to be a very hard argument for the government to win. When they set up these independent peer review bodies, the whole point was to follow their recommendations and to be able to say, OK, nurses, I'm sorry that they, they, they recommended you 3%. I might like to give you 6 or 7 but I've got to follow the independent review. Now, you can't then um, use that argument one year and disregard it the next when they come up with a figure that's too high for you. The rationale the government seeks to use, of course, is that it's inflationary. If they, they'd like to be so generous, but they'd just be making the inflation problem worse. Now, that was arguments that we heard quite a lot during the industrial disputes of the 70s, where pay rises genuinely were inflationary. Right now, when you're looking at quite a small proportion of the workforce being paid um, online with what your average worker is getting, I don't think that can really be described as inflationary. I think the government might, um, if it wants to make that case, by all means it can commission some research showing that right now in 2023 such a move would be inflationary. I think that they struggle. I think they just haven't got much money. They want to be uh, tight with it. And now they're fearful that the independent peer review bodies, whose job, by the way, is to look at how these public sector workers are paid relative to other people in other sectors. The, the, the 
review into the nurses' pay was an incredibly professional piece of work. It looked into how much nurses were getting in the private sector, etc. All of these metrics, let's make it fair. If they're going to do that next year, um, and it's going to be expensive, the government might well have to swallow that pill rather than rely on economically dodgy arguments that it would be inflationary to do this. And Isabel, where is Labour on this? Because ultimately, um, when it's come to pay rises for public sector workers, often Labour have fallen short of siding with the unions, but have talked about independent pay bodies. So if the Tories suddenly start, in a way, I suppose they were leaning so heavily in the first stage of the year on the independent pay bodies to say we don't go above them, if they start turning on that, is that an opening for Labour? Possibly. I mean, Labour's position on this and on mortgages has been, we would do this better, basically. And um, there is an acceptance both on pay and on mortgages um, that uh, some of the things that um, those further left or um, indeed just antagonistic to Rishi Sunak um, are calling for would be inflationary. Rachel Reeves has been clear on that. Um, And... Uh, if you look at the dispute over health workers' pay, for instance, where streeting was clear that the uh, demands from the Royal College of Nursing and the BMA and so on were were too high. Um, but yes, as you say, there is an opportunity for um, the party to do what it's finding very comfortable at the moment and to say, no, we should be sticking to the independent pay review bodies um, uh, rather than ignoring them, because that's a sort of the sort of doing things properly Uh, riff that Keir Starmer really likes. Thank you, Isabel. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.